It's Tuesday, January 24th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser and from Motley Fool Income Investor James Early. Gentlemen, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Uh, We've got the latest from McDonald's and Starbucks, but we are going to start with a couple of big consumer companies reporting earnings. Shares of Johnson & Johnson flat so far today, despite the fact that the company's fourth quarter profit fell 89%. Shares of Kimberly-Clark down a little bit this morning. The company missed earnings and cited higher costs as part of the reason for their results. Uh, James, a couple of big dividend stocks. What do you think? Hey, Chris, the big story here is, is where is this missing demand? In other words, the consumer product segment of J&J was the one that got whacked. Its operating income was down 19%. I'm not talking about the special charges for the hip replacements and things like that, but uh, Kimberly-Clark, same thing. It was their personal care. These are diapers, tampons, things like that. These products are traditionally thought of as safe havens in, in, in rough times, and it's just weird that they're, they're not selling well. I don't know if people are not buying them or, or trading down to generics, but that's the story. I was going to say, I mean, when you think about those two companies and everything that Johnson & Johnson produces, everything that Kimberly Clark produces, my bet is that pretty much everyone listening <laughs> has one product in their home from at least one of those two companies. It's true. It's, 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 just, it's very, very interesting. Um, they're, they're also having trouble passing through prices, which might uh, point to the generic alternative. But yeah, we gotta, I just don't know. It's, it's kind of strange. Uh, Jason, we've talked before uh, in this room about uh, commodity costs, how they affect different companies uh, around the world. Uh, is that really a, a big danger when it comes to these two? When you you know when you see Kimberly Clark citing, for example, higher input costs, that just seems like given everything that they do produce and everything Johnson and Johnson produces, that might be one of the bigger risks. Or am I wrong about no, that? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's that's certainly one of the risks we look at with companies like these. And another company that comes to mind is Clorox because you know very often consumers will pay for that brand uh, that that they know and love. You know, they're they're comforted knowing that they have a Clorox product or a Johnson Johnson product or Procter and Gamble, whatever it may be. Uh, and when you know commodity costs rise or or when we're in you know troublesome economic times. There's more incentive for people to switch down to those generic brands, and those generic brands typically are able to to cut costs, uh, offering a little bit of a lower lower product uh, price point there, which is that's that's one of the key threats to these big brand names in, in times like these. And Kimberly Clark, I think, also cited the low birth rate as as a as a, a diaper uh, demand destruction, uh, and, and maybe well, there's it no is, question but... that parents are pushing that out farther away. I mean, you don't see parents having kids at 20, 25 years old. I mean, couples are tending to try to, to get professionally going first. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see kids more around the 30 to 35 age now as opposed to, to before, which was a little bit different. So flip that around, James. If a year from now or two years from now, we see stories about a population boom, should, does that <laughs> yeah, mean shares of Kimberly-Clark yeah. are just going to take <laughs> off? generation I of baby so. boomers. Uh, I said before, James, these are dividend stocks. You're a dividend guy. Of these two stocks, Johnson & Johnson, Kimberly Clark, sort of the the dividend payers that are in the consumer goods space. Over the next five years, which one do you think has more upside? Right now, in my these are both recommendations in my income investor newsletter. Johnson and Johnson has more upside. Kimberly Clark, I think, is a little bit overvalued. Procter and Gamble, I'll just toss another one in there, is also one that I think is undervalued as well. Maybe even more than J and J. Shares of McDonald's down slightly on its latest earnings. Uh, Jason, we were talking about this before we started taping. Uh, you look at the same store sales, they're up big. Um, the company announced plans to open 1,300 new locations this year. Why the concern for the stock? I think, you know, I mean, there there is 
some concern. I mean, the stock is down slightly. I mean, they beat, it looked like, on revenues for the quarter. Uh, the the earnings per share, after you back out just a small one-time gain that was non-operational, uh, they met expectations there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it wasn't like they killed it for this earnings for this earnings release. But I think that looking forward, uh, you know, consumers and investors alike have to really be looking at McDonald's and, and wondering how much farther can they really go. Because, I mean, number one, you're looking at a stock price here that's reached an all-time high mm-hmm. uh, at $100 plus. I mean, McDonald's is now a it's a one hundred billion plus dollar company, uh, market cap wise. So, so it's priced really very optimistically right now. Uh, but with educated consumers out there that are learning how to eat better, uh, you know, we're raising our children to to show that they don't necessarily have to go to McDonald's. That's not the only option out there. They're facing some very stiff competitive headwinds. And look look at Subway for example. I mean, Subway is a company where it's privately owned, but they have more restaurants, globally speaking, than McDonald's. They offer a far superior menu health-wise, I think James would agree. So, you know, now that they have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and everything you can want at Subway, you have companies like that, restaurants like that out there, that are really taking McDonald's to task here, and I think clouding the future a little bit. With those good comps, it does seem like people are skimping on their baby's diapers and, and putting that money towards <laughs> quarter-pounders instead. Yeah, that's that's scary. You know, I was looking at the the nutritional guidelines for the McDonald's. You had to publish all that stuff now, and you mm-hmm. see the calories and the fat content, and it really is amazing to see, you know, when you just go down that line of all the different burgers and sandwiches that they offer, it's just it, very high calorie, very high fat content, and I think that... See, that's you know, why people, I don't look at it. Right, well, exactly. <laughs> you can either be in denial or you can change your ways, right? And so I think a lot of people are starting to change their ways and there are a lot of options, a lot of substitutes out there now. Let me throw out two other companies in this space. Uh, Yum Brands. David Novak, the chairman and CEO of Yum Brands, was the guest on our Motley Fool Money radio show uh, last weekend. Um, one of the things that we talked about was the growth opportunity that that company has. Uh, when you look at KFC and Pizza Hut, the growth opportunity the company has in China is really enormous for as established as it already is. It's just enormous. Uh, and Chipotle, which is another company that we uh, pay a lot of attention to here at The Motley Fool. Uh, this is a company that, while McDonald's and Yum Brands, both over the last five years, have, have done roughly the same, they've basically both doubled over the last five years. McDonald's stock up a little bit more than Yum. Chipotle up more than 500% over the last five years. Um, looking out over the next five, of those three, which one do you like and why? You know, I mean, I, fast casual is definitely a market that is growing fast. Uh, Obviously, fast no casual. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Yum Brands and McDonald's, and I think that with with both companies there, their greatest opportunity lies in that uh, the the Asia Pacific, Middle East, Africa region. And if you looked, I went through McDonald's call earlier, and they're putting out uh, planning on building another. Uh, what is it? Twelve hundred stores or so here over the course of the next year, but the vast majority of those are going to that to that segment, the Asia Pacific uh, area. And so, McDonald's and Yum Brands, I think, stand to to see a lot of growth there. Those are great opportunities. Chipotle, I'm afraid, still may be uh, somewhat limited geographically speaking. So. Personally, I like Yum Brands diversity. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more of a one, a uh, little bit less of a one trick pony as opposed to McDonald's. So I'd probably go with Yum. James? I, I like McDonald's simply from the dividend perspective. It, it yields a little bit more. I agree with Jason. Yum is a great stock, and, and Chipotle is, is solid in North America, but I don't know how far that can go uh, geographically. Well, and they're also doubling up, I guess, with that new Asian concept, so that remains to be yeah, seen how so. well that'll play out, but I've heard good things thus far. Starbucks is going to start selling beer and wine at select locations in Atlanta, Chicago, and Southern California. They've been testing this concept in Seattle 
since 2010. What do we think about this? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I think I'm, it's great. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm a longtime Starbucks shareholder, and I got to be honest, the first thing I thought when I saw this story, the first thing I thought of was Cozy and how Cozy. Years ago, the big thing with Cozy was, oh, it's going to be the place where you can get your coffee in the morning, and at night it turns into a bar, and they had liquor licenses and, and all that sort of thing. And Cozy, particularly from the perspective of the stock, has been a dismal failure over the last 10 years. So that was my gut reaction to this story. Okay, and so and it's, that sounds like a reasonable first reaction. I think that's a little bit... Um not the direction that Starbucks is looking to take. Talk I think me this off is the a ledge. really good move, actually, by Starbucks, <laughs> because they have devoted a pretty good amount of research here into figuring out what markets might support a move like this. But it's certainly not something that is going to go on a national or a global scale. It's not a new facet or a new side of the business like the Evolution Fresh acquisition getting into to health and wellnesses. I think this is just a natural extension to their specialty beverage service that they already provide. I mean, you go into the restaurant now and you see you know this this litany of beverages that they provide. And I just want coffee, but man, they've got a million different kind of drinks you can get there. So now I think they're offering the opportunity for the customers that already know and trust the Starbucks brand uh, to to maybe able to take that relationship just a little bit further. But I, you know, I don't think it's going to be anything that's terribly meaningful, and I think it's only going to be rolled out to markets that will actually support it. Well, okay, so they're serving uppers and downers now. But if you uh, <laughs> if you go into a drinking establishment, you tend to want to stay a while, right? Yes. I guess the question is, would that dilute? The coffee kind of grab and go, maybe sit for for a little while. I guess people stay a while at Starbucks as it is. Well, that's the thing, and this is going back to the 1990s, but Howard Schultz at Starbucks talked about wanting to create what he called the third place. You've got your home, you've got your work, and he wanted Starbucks to be the third place that people go and hang out. So at least the Starbucks I've been to in Alexandria in the D.C. area, they're, yeah, they, they encourage that. Yes, right. there are I mean, a lot of people who just get their coffee and go, but there are a lot of people with their laptops and exactly. Wi-Fi. and that hasn't changed. I mean, you see, they just, the Starbucks is very quick to roll out new new ideas. I mean, they, they test, some fail, some succeed. Uh, you know, they haven't, they haven't hit on every single thing they've done, but what you have to really love about this company is they do keep trying new things. They innovate. Uh, where there's not a new market, sometimes they can create a new market, and what they're really good at now is leveraging the power of that brand. I mean, the Starbucks brand, whether you love them or hate them, it's an extremely powerful brand in, in this country and around the world. And so I think they're really taking advantage of that. You should have a magazine about Starbucks. What's that? <laughs> they should have a magazine about Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks a, re- a reference to Joe, the <laughs> yes, failed magazine yeah. of the of some furniture, the 1990s. <laughs> um, so, but just to make one uh, more reference to what you touched on, Jason, it sounds like what you're saying is this is an idea that could work but it has a relatively low ceiling in terms of what it is going to mean for the company, for its financials, and therefore for its off. Like if this is a big success exactly. for them, this is not going to be a big thing that moves the needle for the stock? Yeah, let's put it into context. I mean, the, the acquisition of Evolution Fresh, which that was a $30 million acquisition, to gain entry into what they estimate to be a $50 billion market opportunity in health and wellness. This is nowhere close to that. This isn't even the same idea. In my eyes, this is just a, a complementary addition to what's already a very successful business model, and it's going to roll out to markets where, where it's actually demanded. And, uh, you know, it may add a little bit to, to the top-line revenues there, but but overall, spirits in general are very high margin, which is nice. Uh, but, but it's not going to be something that's this widespread. Mixed drinks, but yeah. this is beer and wine. Well, I think, yeah, but this, this is beer and wine. I'm sorry, okay, spirits. Yeah. I said beer and wine. I, I say spirits liberally there, but uh, <laughs> but beer and wine in general uh, are, are higher margin, uh, you know, items. And so, I believe it's going to be it's going to be accepted. You know, where it's where it's wanted and places where it's not wanted, they're not going to try to force it down consumers' throats. Uh, just want to close with uh, quoting a story in the Los Angeles Times that 
our own Jason Moser was quoted in. <laughs> yeah. uh, but another part of that story, uh, and I'm quoting here, Starbucks is looking to differentiate itself from competitors as varied as Dunkin' Donuts, fast food behemoth McDonald's, and the fast casual Panera Bread. Um, of those three companies, which one do you think is looking at this and is either nervous or thinking, boy, we really got to try this? What do you think? So I think... I so my wife owns shares of Starbucks. I own shares of Panera. Um, I don't think either one of us owns shares of Dunkin'. I think Dunkin's got to be the one that's really got to be looking at the same whoa because Panera has already differentiated itself. As as odd as it may seem, they've differentiated themselves fairly well because they they do have such a full offering on the menu. Mm-hmm. It's not just a coffee house. Um, Dunkin' is one where I think they really have to be looking at this and thinking, wow, we're already going up against Starbucks and their global reach and their powerful brand, and now they're doing this just to add. You know, one more thing. You know that consumers can want that. You know they're going to want to go to Starbucks instead of you know maybe going to Dunkin' Donuts. So I'd probably be looking over my shoulder if I was Dunkin'. James, what do you think? Uh, this is probably better than what I'm going to say. I think I think Panera is is a closer concept of Starbucks. So if if in Starbucks terms of does, like hanging yes, out, so so maybe it would pull more people from from Panera versus Dunkin', which is a little bit more of a, a grab your donut and go type of offering. All right. James Early, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.